This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture and Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, Sikkim365 Radio. I'm Craig Smoke. Joined, as always, by Grayson Grunheifer, Director of Broadcasting, also Team and Recruiting Reporter. And I, of course, write a few articles here and there. Also, you can catch me on Sikkim365 Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 until 6. Jack McKenzie, Armstrong Sims, uh, behind the scenes. And Baylor's spring game is in the books. Uh, football coming to a close on Saturday afternoon. We've also got... A lot of storylines in men's basketball to cover with uh, a roster in flux and uh, a few other notes to get to as well with the NFL draft on the horizon. Uh, And Grayson, a green and gold game. Uh, Saw that just, you know, kind of go about its business on Saturday while a bunch of other schools were bragging about attendance numbers and getting all caught up in that. Uh, It was a very Dave Aranda-like spring game in that, you know, it wasn't a crazy crowd. It was just kind of like an open scrimmage in a way. Not too many frills, not too many bells and whistles. They just went out there, closed up spring, and got their business done. And um, that's just kind of, I guess, uh, you know, in line with what the program kind of is right now. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, if you watch that spring game, I think it's been mentioned a few times, but it was one of the more impressive spring games I've seen. It was really fun to watch, very explosive. Um, the offense actually played really well this time. In most years, the defense just simply dominates. So I found that to be really interesting. I think there's tons of questions after the spring game, um, rightfully so, about the quarterback position. Um, I think you and I have talked about kind of what we see in this quarterback battle and how I think we were both kind of surprised with just how lopsided it seemed to be heading into the spring game in a, in favor of Gary Bohannon. And then the spring game happens. And I know people don't really want to admit it. And I know a spring game takes away a lot of Gary's strengths, but I think it was pretty comparable to what happened last year between Zeno and Bohannon, where you came out of that game feeling like, man, Shapin looked really good. This looks like a guy who could lead this team to an even higher ceiling. And you just kind of sit there and wonder, man, what did Gary show all spring that was just so unique? And so I I think that that's going to be a huge question coming out of it. I think Squirrel, seeing him was a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of takeaways, but overall, it was just a really fun day. Let's just start with quarterbacks. Uh, Gary Bohannon uh, and Blake Shapin both got their fair share of reps. Kyron Drones, we got to see a bit of him too, but we know he's not going to be named the starter at this stage. So it's really Shapin and Bohannon. I was high on Shapin in the very beginning as this thing got underway, and then you know, readjusted my thinking to being a bit more open-minded because of what all was being said by, you know, Dave Aranda and uh, also the fact that, you know, worried a little bit about getting too caught up in that Jacob Zeno thing of, you know, you see a guy play a little bit. Now, granted, in Blake Shapin's case, he played a lot more than Zeno played. I mean, Zeno fever was literally over a couple of passes in a game that they did not even win, Uh, whereas Shapin, you know, they won the games that he played in. It wasn't always necessarily because of him, but um, he did play a big role in, you know, the Big 12 championship in the first half and, um, you know, played a big role in closing out the K-State game and all that. But um, I kind of, you know, after Saturday and seeing it, I too was a little bit surprised. I thought I, I just expected more from Gary just because of kind of the way it's been talked about this spring. And that could be me reading too much into it or not. I don't know. It just sounded, though, as – as though Gary 
is the guy who basically just needed to hold on and win the job, and it sounded like Blake really needed to kind of do a little bit extra uh, to me. And, um, you know, maybe that's just words, and it's not really indicative of what it was really like because now we're coming out of the spring game, and, yeah, I, I here's my opinion. I don't know which direction they go. Um, I don't know what happens with whatever direction they go, but I said this on the radio yesterday. Uh, they don't have a superstar quarterback. That's what I do know, as they don't have a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback back there. Now, could one of those guys play and get in that conversation for a couple of weeks because the team's doing well? Yes, but that's not going to be like their strongest position. I think that's pretty clear. I think that I think shaping gives them that ceiling for it to Heisman be Trophy like superstar in college football. After what I saw in the spring game, I actually think that there's a part of me that goes, man, this guy's the real deal. And okay. when I watched the BYU offense, when Jeff Grimes was there, and I think about Zach Wilson, and I'm not going to say that he is Zach Wilson because I think, you know, it's dumb to make those comparisons just one for one. But what I will say is the things that Zach Wilson did really well in that BYU offense, I've seen from Shapin in the times we've gotten to see him. Now, does that mean Heisman Trophy winner for this year? You know, probably not. That's that's such a reach. But I do think he could potentially be the best quarterback in the Big 12. And I, and I think that he could help lead this team to another level. Now, do I think Gary could be the best quarterback in the Big 12? I don't know. I, I kind of have my doubts about that. But I think either way, either one could lead them somewhere because they are so good as a team. But Shapin, I think, does provide a ceiling that is kind of comforting and something we maybe haven't seen in a little while. Yeah, I guess I'm just coming from the standpoint of I don't think it really bothers me either way, which way they go. I don't mm -hmm. think the results are going to be that much different uh, in the long run. Maybe by a game or two, depending on which way you swing, but I think it also depends on what else is going on, and it's not just simply who that guy is, and then everything else is all equal. I think you got to obviously... You know, how do the receivers help out the quarterbacks? Do they have a run game to rely on? And, you know, I saw football Bob, uh, and I heard him talking yesterday, and uh, I thought he made a good point of, can they run the ball without the quarterback needing to run the ball? Then Blake Shapin's probably a good choice. Can they not run the ball without running the football? Then it's probably Gary Bohannon. And that really was probably the simplest way to break it down in my head was, okay, what do they want to be and what do they have to be? And that will probably it dictate more than anything else if all things are equal playing-wise and work-wise, that will probably be the, the tipping point to me. I'd, I'd agree with that, and I think that's a big part of it, right? Because Gary wasn't able to run in the spring game, and we do know how much that opens up things for this offense. We saw it at times last year, how impactful that was. And so, yeah, that definitely gives Gary an opportunity. Um, it's just going to be really interesting to see with the upgrades on the offensive line, how much better I think they will be this year if they're able to run the ball without shape and having to be a true power back threat which is what gary is gary's gonna go get you fourth and one gary's gonna give you opportunities to convert you know third and short and also you know just be able to improvise and fall forward and make plays like that so yeah i can understand that as well and i think it's gonna be a battle and it should be a battle at least through the fall there, there's no reason that they should decide on a quarterback right now like I think they need to allow this to play out, make a decision after fall, right before the first game like they did last year, and then go from there. Yeah, I don't see what the rush is either. I know Aranda said they would talk about it and would like to make a decision sooner rather than later, but I don't know how you really have a clear-cut favorite uh, at this point, um, you know, based on what we've seen and certainly they've seen a lot more so maybe the decision's easier for them but based on what we've seen I don't think it's just like oh it's clearly shaping or oh it's clearly Bohannon I 
I think it's still pretty foggy, and I'm actually kind of in a way just selfishly disappointed that somebody didn't come out and like just look that much better than the other guy, you know? Although there are some very extreme opinions. Like you would think that Gary was awful or something based on what some people have posted, or you'd think that this guy was not nearly as sharp as, you know, whatever based on what some people have posted. So I guess some of it's in the eye of the beholder. But uh, I did think that, you know, overall shaping looked better. But, you know, it's a spring game too, so what do I know? Yeah, I I, I mentioned this. I think it was actually comparable to last year. And I think we all came out of the game last year saying, man, Gary was way better than Jacob. And I saw the exact same thing this year. I thought Shapin was way better than Gary. I mean, that, but again, it's one day. Like, we don't know, get that's to what see I'm practice. saying. Like, so, that's why it's kind of the, silly to, to get too, like, serious about it because we're going off such a small sample size. And that's why I'm like, Okay, if they don't want to make a decision now, fine. If they want to wait till the fall, fine. And not even like for transfer reasons where you're worried about a guy. Just in general, what benefit is there in naming either one of them this week? I don't, sure. see, I don't see it because I don't think there's that much difference, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they should make that decision right now either. I think just let it go through fall because, I mean, they really need to keep these guys in full competition mode before the season because there's improvements that need to be made at that position and they need to c- continue to compete against each other, I think. Yeah, but I, I thought I thought Bohannon would be a little bit sharper. There was, in particular, his pick six to Bryce, Bryce and Jackson that was just a, an awful play and was very reminiscent of some of the kind of oh moments from last year um but yeah i mean the quarterbacks threw the ball well i mean i thought drones and uh cj rogers you know had some nice times back there but uh quarterback wise we are still waiting on a decision and uh for how long uh that remains to be seen so like there's no play-by-play to go off on here i didn't write down detailed notes like that's kind of where we stand with quarterback is that you know shaping looked better Young guys got some, you know, C.J. Rogers made some nice throws, but um, we'll see, I suppose, on quarterbacks. Um, I don't know that we need to go position by position, like, hey, the tight ends are good, you guys know that. The O-line's really good, you guys know that. Uh, I guess receivers and corner uh, running backs, excuse me. Uh, running backs-wise, Squirrel Williams was the headliner. Uh, I thought he was impressive outside of that. I thought everything else was just kind of okay, honestly. I, I didn't. I wasn't over the moon for Tay McWilliams. I mean, I think he looks like he could be a good player, but I'm not still sold on him being like a 20 carry guy for the 20. Like, he's not Abram Smith. Let's just say that he's not Abram Smith. So he's not just going to plug in and play there. But Squirrel Williams does give them a different dynamic. So running backs thoughts. Uh, for you from Saturday. Yeah, I actually think I tend to disagree on the Tay McWilliams thing. And it's not because I think he's the best running back on the roster because he's not. Squirrel Williams is. And we saw that. The explosiveness, the the cuts, the vision. I mean, he just looks so good. I, I was so happy to see that and so happy for him. Uh, he's going to be a true difference maker. But as far as Tay goes, Tay gives them, I think, a 1B to Squirrel's 1A. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of carries for Tay McWilliams. And the way I saw him run, I saw him finish runs strong. And, you know, he's not Abram because he's much younger than Abram, but he was running very hard, which is something they need to figure out out, out of this running back room. And out of the running backs on this roster, he ran harder than anyone else. I saw him moving piles. I saw him breaking arm tackles, falling forward. They need that. And then also, don't forget, he looked the best as a pass catcher as well. That catch he had over the middle of the field where Shapin threw it 
well over his head, and he went up and snagged it. That was a heck of a play. Very underrated for a running back. I think he's going to be the other running back in the fold along with Squirrel. And then you just kind of sit there and go, okay, what are you going to get from Jordan Jenkins and Josh Fleeks? I don't know, but I think their top two running backs are going to be Squirrel and Tay McWilliams, and I think you can't give Squirrel 25 carries. So I think Tay is going to find a way to get double-digit carries many, many games, and then Squirrel is going to be their feature back uh, in most proven run situations. But I think as a pass blocker, a short yardage runner, um, and then a receiver, I think Tay really proved himself in my mind in the spring game. Yeah, I mean, I proved himself. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just waiting to see more. Uh, I, I'm not. I, 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 I see what you saw, and I know that there are things to like. I'm just not convinced on him and sold as him as just like stepping in and being like a solid mm-hmm. running back. Like yeah. I just need to see more. And and I mean, there's still a chance yeah. they bring in another proven veteran. And that's too. kind of my point. Is yeah. like I don't feel like they're even maybe complete there. So like that to me feels like. Okay, if there's room for another running back in that room at the end of spring ball, then I think that that kind of says, okay, well, they're not um, – well, obviously where they would need to be if they're looking to bring in another running back. But I think that kind of says something about the state of the room. For sure, and they're young. Like, that's the other thing. We're talking about Abram. Well, you're talking about fifth-year guy. Well, that's what I mean is that Tay's not him. And so, like, if you're relying on a a young guy who hasn't proven anything yet and a guy who hasn't stayed healthy yet, like, that's a little bit – like, uh, okay. Like, talent, smelling, like, talent's great. A lot of teams have talent, but, like, can the talent play? Can the talent be out there game in and game out? And I know we won't have that answer on Squirrel, and it's not Tay's fault. He just hasn't had an opportunity to play. But, like, until I see that duo out there commanding the room and week in and week out, like, proving themselves, it's just going to be hard for me to get – like fully convinced like all right they're good there like I don't need to worry about that position does that make sense yeah and I will say I I think my bigger concern and this kind of speaks to your thought about the running back room is that the depth after those two is just full of question marks yeah and those guys have enough question question marks marks, as well so yeah I mean it is going to be interesting I just from my point of view I did feel like Tay showed some things that I was very intrigued by. Yeah, I'm not. I'm um, not. I'm not saying I don't think he's a good player or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm not like all the way both feet in. Like, oh yeah, he's totally going to come in next year and they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sold on that just yet because yeah. I think it's going to be him and Squirrel and maybe a transfer and may you know. And so that's what that's where I am. It's not a knock on Tay's ability. It's just I'm not convinced that they're set there Mm -hmm. yeah and I I, again that's been a position we've talked about a lot and with the uh the depth the way that it is the injury problems for squirrel the youth in the room it's gonna be really interesting to follow that position honestly and I do think if the right guy enters the portal they should give it a look yeah yeah I think so you know the veteran would probably come in handy uh but there were good things I mean Tay McWilliams did show some good things don't get me wrong and squirrel Williams showed some good things uh definitely uh showed some good things and it was exciting to to see him, but then yeah, past that, you know, we weren't we aren't coming out of this thing raving about Jordan Jenkins or you know over the moon about some other you know uh, or Josh Fleeks or, or someone like that. Um, for the sake of time and just we do have a lot to talk to. Let's just keep moving because we could like talk an hour about each one. Uh, wide receivers, uh, young guys, we know that uh, unproven, we know that. I still kind of like with running back. Think they could use a veteran uh, in that room, and I feel that way even more after Saturday. 
uh, and actually feel that more that way for the receivers maybe than the running backs, oddly enough. But uh, what we did see from the young guys was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we saw some flashes. Josh Cameron continues to impress. We saw Seth Jones. Monterey Baldwin looked really good. Uh, nice to see him stretch the field a little bit with that deep ball. That was fun. Cam Bonner as well. Uh, I think this, you know, they need probably another proven older guy in the room. And then I also think they just need Hal Presley and Jalen Ellis to get healthy as well. I mean, we didn't even get to see a complete room. And I think most people would have thought Hal was probably going to be their top wide receiver this year with Jalen Ellis being somewhere inside the top, you know, six, I would think at wide receiver. So see those guys get on campus, bring in an older guy and then go from there. But I do agree. They need, uh, they have some work to do. I think at that position still, even though I did like some of the glimpses I saw. Yeah, I mean they were they were nice flashes and and there certainly seems to be something too, you know, a preferred walk on like a like a Josh Cameron or um who in there uh I'm trying to think of just some other names. Uh Javon Gibson, yeah. Cam Bonner had the touchdown. Yeah, Bonner. Um did we really see Winfield? I'm trying to think of what he, uh see he kind of I didn't like the fact that he was he was on the second team offense. Okay. Yeah, so he was playing in the yellow jerseys and gotcha. that offense just it was really unfair. Like Josh yeah. Fleeks had nowhere to run the whole game. Armani had a couple catches, and I do think he's gonna play a big role, but yeah, it was a tough situation for that team. Yeah, it was. Um so anything you want to comment on briefly, O line or tight end wise that uh stood out before we move on to defense? Ben Sims is very good. a superstar. Yeah, he's their um, best offensive weapon. Yeah, outside of squirrel. I still think it'll be squirrel, but best proven offensive yeah, weapon for sure. And I was so, and I mean, the way he catches the football, he made some just fantastic grabs. Very happy there. Offensive line, I think the depth is coming along nicely. I think we're seeing that continue to build. And I love the starting group. They were terrific on the day. So very happy there. And then on the defensive line, it was very similar to the offensive line. I was very happy with what I saw, happy with the group, felt like they got enough penetration. Love what I saw from Jackson player. He looked really good along with Apu. Um, and I think they're going to be as good as advertised on the offensive and defensive lines going forward. Yeah, I think that uh, O-line's very solid uh, starting-wise, as you would expect. And uh, D-line, you know, it's just very interesting to hear Randa's comments kind of calling them out in the post-scrimmage uh, recap, and I think that that's very intentional. I think he knows what he's saying to the media and what we're going to post and what they're going to read, and uh, he's just trying to light a fire, It's it seems like, and probably also trying to just, you know, constantly hammering guys' heads like, hey, responsibility and accountability and all of that. So I'm not too worried about his comments, and for those that miss him, he just said that they've got some growing up to do, basically, and that guys need to... Um, you know, embrace being the focal point and the one that other people look to and they need to get out of the dark and step into the light, basically get used to having the spotlight on them so that everything that you do is, is in, you know, front of uh, the public eye and, and representative of the program, things like that. So just guys that just need to kind of just take that next step, grow up a little bit and, and mature a little bit and, I think he's talking to Apu because I just always assume that he is, and I'm sure he's talking to a couple of others as well. Um, but I do think the D-line will be fine. Uh, linebackers, uh, your thoughts on on that group? Depth. Yeah. Depth. I love what I saw from them. Bryson Jackson 
is fantastic. That guy just makes plays all over the field. He's going to get on the field. We saw him flash in the Sugar Bowl. Um, saw the pick six that he had in this one, which just showed great ball skills. I was really impressed with him there. Love what I saw from Will Williams. I think he's going to do everything he can to fight off Josh White when he arrives. Uh, Dylan Doyle's awesome. I, I just love that group. And then the Jacks look great too. Garmin Randolph, uh, Tony and Yanwu, Jackie Marshall, and then throw in Matt Jones when he gets healthy. I think that's one of the deepest groups on the entire roster. Yeah, I thought that they looked pretty good. Uh, it was fun to see Bryson Jackson have that big pick six. Uh, but we did, I did, get to ask about Josh White. Mm -hmm. um, I We thought uh, that we would have to wait until like fall because you had said something about the clearinghouse and yeah. all of that. And then, sure enough, on Saturday, uh, Aranda happened to mention his name in passing, and I was like, oh, well, if you're saying it, then that means you can probably talk yeah. about it. And so the last question of spring media was actually about Josh White. And uh, it was more about him as a person than about him as a player. But he did comment on him as a player as well. And I thought, uh, I'm not sure if you heard him, that comment, Grayson, but uh, the part about him, you know, most of the time the guys that I recruited and were on at LSU from like that were like his guys, he said he feels like those are guys that could fit here. And Josh White's one of those guys. And I thought that was kind of telling because he mentioned not only being brought in late on, you know, on some guys and he was his job basically just to not fumble the bag. Um, but with Josh White, he was on him from like the get go. And so that was like his guy. And that's the type of person he's saying that would fit in here. But I don't know. It's just something in the way that he said it. And he never even mentioned LSU, but did. And I was just kind of like, this is very interesting. And I think we'll probably see more, you know, very well LSU, like a one or two, like a Josh White in an Apuica, like once a year. Uh, I could see that, you know, the next couple of years just because of the relationships he built. But I thought it was very clear he's excited uh, to have him as a young man just on the team. And it also sounds like special teams-wise he'll come in and help right away. And, you know, uh, leadership-wise, it sounds like he could he could possibly come in and help right away as well. Yeah, I love what Dave Rand and really the whole staff has done with some of these guys. You know, you got Dylan Doyle playing fullback. You got guys playing special teams who are starters. And Matt Rule believed in that as well. And so it's really cool that Dave does too. And Josh can come in and impact the game in a variety of ways. And, you know, all the coverage and everything I talked to Josh White about, I mean, they just have a fantastic relationship. And, and that was the most important thing and the reason why he chose Baylor. And again, I think he's going to come in and be the starter. Um, but that doesn't mean that Will Williams isn't a really good player and that Bryson Jackson isn't a really good player. I just think there's something about Josh White and there's something about what he can bring to the table that is a little unique. And I think he's an NFL guy. But what I love is the fact that they just have depth. You know, if guys get injured, they have next man up. And Baylor's had trouble staying healthy at linebacker in the past. So building that depth is very, very important for this team. All right, on to the secondary uh, corners and safeties. Uh, let's go ahead and round out the defense. Well, I mean, they're not very fast. And we saw that in this spring game. They got beat over the top a few times. This is one of the slowest secondaries they've had in a while. And it's just a lot of guys that are between four five and four six timed runners. You know, when you're talking about Christian Morgan, Devin Neal, Devin Lemire, Al Walcott, the fastest guy in the secondary is Mark Milton. And we've seen him have struggles in the past at cornerback. Um, and so to see them get beat over the top was kind of not great to see. One of them was Al Walcott and Devin Neal getting beat over the top. The other was Mike Harris. 
Um, and so, yeah, they, they got to work on that. That's got to gotta get fixed. But I do think you're going to see a lot more of that too high safety look. And the thing I love about their safeties in their secondary is they are great tacklers. So in the open field, they should be very good there. They should be able to be huge factors against the run and huge factors when there are throws across the middle of the field. It's just the deep ball. And the way that gets solved is by having an elite pass rush. And I think that's why Dave Aranda is really harping on the defensive line because I think they know they really have to be able to get get after the quarterback this year or else they will give up some big plays over the top. And I think we saw that in the spring game, and that's a little bit of a concern for me and why I've always felt like that field safety position might be one that they might want to look at a transfer because it's really hard to replace a guy like JT Woods who was just so fast and so fantastic on the back end. Yeah, probably not the year that you want to have uh, some slower defensive backs because uh, I think everybody in the Big 12 is about to ramp up offensively in a big way uh, in terms of speed and deep ball and passing game and all of that. So, yeah, going to have to get that figured out because I'm sure Tech was watching and Texas was watching and Oklahoma's watching and, you know, so on and so forth. And they're going to do what they're going to do regardless, but I'm sure that they're enjoying like, hey – how slow Baylor is on that back end. We can light them up with Quinn Ewers or Dylan Gabriel or, you know, the Kitley offense or what have you. So, um, yeah, I like what they have up front, but there are some questions. And, hey, when you lose half your starting secondary, uh, if not more than half your starting secondary, that's, you know, not going to be a, a just completely, you know, just flip the page and it's the same as it was. No, there's going to be a transition, and, and it does seem like there is one there right now. Yeah, the good news is a lot of those Big 12 teams, you know, a lot of them that are switching to this air raid passing attack, Baylor's going to be able to run three-man fronts very consistently. Uh, yeah, I saw um, Quinn Ewers should have been sacked like five times uh, in half yeah. an hour the other day. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not bagging, but, like, we had that on yesterday, mm -hmm. and there was, like, it's legit, like a handful of plays. As I looked up over about a half hour, I'm like, sack. Yep. sack sack and instead it's like deep ball to an open receiver and i'm like but that would have been a sack right. so yeah and when you have guys that baylor does up front it's gonna allow them to play a lot more three-man front which will really take a lot of pressure off the back end yeah. but it is a concern it's an area they gotta figure out and address and just get better at because they were they didn't give up those big plays a year ago in the spring game or during the season very often and so to see that was a little discouraging. They just need to need to get figured out, but that's okay. There's always going to be something you need to improve on, especially after a spring game. All right, uh, quickly uh, kind of close this out and move on to some other headlines this week. Uh, special teams-wise, if there was an area that Aranda was clearly – and he wasn't like he was unhappy. He was just dissatisfied with what they had seen. Uh, he made mention that, you know, there were things that he saw on Saturday – the special teams did that was the second or third or fourth time that they had done it when clearly they weren't supposed to still be doing it and he mentioned uh that you know he's he's fine with uh the uh the coaching and you know they have had a change there with Matthew Powage on the way out to Oregon uh so I don't think that they're worried about like the coaching aspect of it, but there's clearly like some disconnect that they've got to work on this off season. And I didn't really, I'll be honest with you, didn't pay particular attention to special teams, but it should be based on who they have coming back. That should be a strength next year. So definitely need to get that worked out. But that was certainly an area that he highlighted as, as not being so content with uh, post-spring. Yep, that can win and lose you games. And you know Dave Randall will focus on that. They focused oh, yeah. on that very hard last They're year. They're Big 12 and, champs because they did last year. Right. You know? Yeah, and Ronnie Wheat will get that figured out. I think yeah. he's taken over for that special teams role. So, you know, just something, again, to work on, which is fine. It's spring. They got plenty of time to adjust heading into fall camp.
All right, now let's uh, rip off some other headlines. Uh, Jaden Porter, Lorena wide receiver, a 2024 class committed to Baylor on Saturday after the spring game. And uh, Grayson, what would you like to tell us about a local standout? I know I've heard good things uh, th through the grapevine. You know, obviously the arena's like 15, 20 minutes away, so it's basically it's just greater Waco. So he's staying home, Jaden Porter. Uh, got a long wait, obviously. Still has, uh, you know, another season to go extra before he ends up in, in Waco. But uh, your thoughts on Jaden Porter, and they get commit number one, which they had previously, and then those guys decommitted, and now they're back to – uh, being above the zero number for the 2024 class. Yeah, this is a great pickup. Obviously, a Central Texas product, a four-star wide receiver, and a guy who actually uh, committed here in studio back at the beginning of the month. So uh, I've wow. known about this for a long time, got to talk to him about it, and uh, had that up on the website as well. Uh, he was really excited about it. He knew then, and then he actually was supposed to commit on Monday, so yesterday, uh, but he ended up telling Dave Rand after the spring game that he was committed, and so he decided to release that on Saturday following the spring game. Uh, great player. Uh, he's played offense and defense there at Lorena and is a guy who helped lead them to a state championship, which is really cool. Um, that's obviously fantastic to see, and he's been just an extremely productive player for Lorena for a long time over these past two years. I mean, he's been fantastic, and he's only a 2024 guy, so it's pretty it's pretty remarkable to see what he has done. And in the uh, 2021 season, so last year, he had uh, 1,265 yards and 13 touchdowns on 58 receptions. So true game breaker there for them. Obviously a small school, so you wonder, you know, how would that hold up against, uh, you know, 6A schools and things like that. But I think if you turn on the tape, you see a really, really electric wide receiver who's probably going to do some great things at Baylor, but not just a waiting game because he's a 2024 guy, and now he's going to be the leader of that class, and I think he's a great guy to have as as the leader uh, for that Baylor 2024 class. I think it's a fantastic pickup for Dave Rand and staff, especially with how early they were able to get this commitment. Yeah, um, a good pickup and good to win in your backyard, and now let's just hope, unlike uh, you know Aaron Hampton and a name that I've already forgotten, who was the other one? I don't even remember. Uh from Dangerfield. Do you even remember? Oh, Jakevian, but he was 2023. Okay. Jakevian Rogers. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So Aaron Hampton was the 2024 commit. Is he committed to Texas now? Yeah. He yeah. committed like two weeks after. Yeah. So he was sold on Baylor, obviously. <laughs> um, so anyways, they're off uh, the ground and running on 2024. And now, yeah, just have to hold on to Jaden Porter and, you know, Easier said than done, but uh, he's also had some schools already come at him, the, the TCUs and, and others that have already been on him, and, and he chose Baylor. So a uh, big-time pickup there, and we'll have more on him as uh, you know he continues on finishing out his high school career and eventually ends up in green and gold, but I do think that's a good one. Now, meanwhile, uh, really the only other thing to touch on football-wise, the NFL draft starts on Thursday, and uh, I've – written quite a bit about the draft already I'll have more on it and you know kind of just a lay of the land coming out probably on Thursday at some time uh, but thoughts on you know what we're going to see starting Thursday I've you know repeated the names we know all the names that were in the combine and at pro day you've got JT Woods and Jalen Petrie and Kalen Barnes and Xavier Newman Johnson and Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner and I'm probably missing one or two guys but uh, Tyquan Thornton I think that's about it and 
not even outside of that, probably too many undrafted free agents. Like I, I think pretty much their guys are going to get drafted, and maybe an Xavier Newman Johnson ends up having to be an undrafted free agent or Tejada. Ta- right? Maybe, maybe he gets Estrada. one of those. Yeah. Maybe he gets Jared one of those. McBay. Yeah. Maybe well, yeah. like I think all those guys. I think Xavier, who would be the best guest to not get drafted of the guys who would you think get drafted, mm-hmm. will be undrafted free agent for sure if he doesn't get drafted um all the star guys that i named that have been here three four years and all were starters taekwon thor like all those guys are gonna get drafted but let's just say one of them didn't they'll get picked up as an undrafted free agent now as far as jaron mcveigh and drew estrada and and all those guys that you just mentioned um yeah i don't know i could see like a camp tryout for some of them i could see maybe you know a couple surprisingly sign an undrafted free agent but Basically, I think we're looking at about seven guys, give or take, that are going to get drafted or for sure sign in the NFL. And I would think the number for draft picks is probably around six on average. You would think that that would be probably about what they could get, um, give or take one, one way or the other, just because you don't know how those later rounds work. Um, but um, they're going to have a handful of guys, and more than a handful when all is said and done signing uh bottom line to an NFL team. So uh, your thoughts with the NFL draft coming up later this week? Yeah, I I think Jalen Petrie is obviously the only one that you look at and go, okay, he could be a first round pick. Um, There's some smoke there. I know I was telling Jack and Armstrong that, you know, there was a vote of, you know, five guys who are on the fringe. A lot of people have them projected as round two guys who could end up being first round picks. And Petrie was one of those five guys who uh, has kind of been named uh, significantly. And so, I've seen mocks having him from, you know, as low as in the 20s to as high as in the 60s. So a lot of fluctuation there. The most recent one I saw was 61 to the 49ers. I don't think he's going to fall that far. I really don't. I think he's probably going to be a top 50 pick. Um, And I'm excited for him. I'm I'm kind of of the view that he'll probably be a round two pick, but I think he's going to be the earliest pick for Baylor. And then after that, it becomes just kind of this mix and match of, you know, JT Woods, Tyquan Thornton, Kalen Barnes are probably all in that range between third and fifth round picks. They're kind of right in there. You know, where are they going to go? We don't know. I would probably put them in order of JT Woods, Kalen Barnes, Tyquan Thornton at the moment. I think Barnes has gotten a lot of traction because of his 40 time and I think people are down on Thornton and I have no idea why Uh, I think he's going to be a little bit of a steal especially if he goes in round four or five I think someone's going to get a very good player who they probably didn't think was going to last that long as far as guys after that Terrell Bernard Abram Smith I think are for sure going to get drafted they'll probably be you know fourth fifth sixth round picks somewhere in there and then Ebner is the guy at the end of the draft where you're just hoping okay can he find the right fit can someone take a chance on him he's going to be great in special teams could be a nice passing downs back as well uh i think he'll find a way to get drafted and i think those will be the draft picks i think xavier newman johnson will sign a very nice undrafted free agent contract and then whoever else you know whether it's riley tejada drew Estrada, jaron mcveigh will be undrafted guys but i'm very excited this is one of the first years where you're going to be sitting there every single round going oh my gosh this could be a baylor guy getting drafted here so i'm definitely going to be tuned in and very excited for this one Yeah, I just hope all the guys are ready for it and ready for that grind. I mean, we've seen guys that just think that college is going to carry them to the NFL and they wash out very quickly because you don't you don't fake anything up in that league. If either you play and you can take care of your business, or you're going to be out of there real quick. 
And um, none of these guys are so good that they can just go off play alone. So Matt Rule instilled in them, you know, hey, make the roster via special teams. Abram Smith's already talked about that. And, uh, you know, Dave Aranda obviously has sent quite a few guys to the pros over the years. So I think they're well prepared. I think they've got the right mindsets. Let's just hope it stays that way so that these guys can have, you know, three, four, seven-year careers and really, you know, make a make a living for themselves in uh, pro football. That's all I want to see. And I would like to also see them actually land on some teams that matter, that know what they're doing. Like if I look up and Jalen Petrie's going to the Jaguars, I'm going to freaking throw a team. TV off a roof somewhere because you know we see it so Denzel Mims goes to the Jets well of course it's the Jets they are awful organization uh, at least at the time they drafted him and they're trying to get out of that but that certainly did him no favors and he probably did himself no favors but Corey Coleman goes to the freaking Browns like come on man like can somebody land on the Ravens you know or the Chiefs like somebody that knows what they're doing that'd be great but no they go to Washington and Jacksonville and Cleveland like the three most like all we're missing is a guy going to Detroit for just the most which is where trash organizations yeah I saw a mock yeah I mean (laughs) yeah let's just never hear about him again might as well and by trash, I mean uh, basically, well, in Washington's case, their ownership for sure, but just results. I mean, you know, those those are the same teams every year in the top five, and it never really changes. So if those guys could avoid teams like that, unlike some of their predecessors, that would be great. But, yeah, we'll have plenty on the NFL draft uh, all week long, and it should be one of the bigger drafts they're going to have. And, you know, you would hope that they keep putting six, seven guys in the league on a yearly basis, but this was obviously a very special class. So it's all coming to uh, fruition for them, this final part of their journey. All right, elsewhere, um, not much going on in basketball. Uh, just a few things going on in basketball. Uh, first of all, Adam Flagler and Matthew Meyer into the draft last week. Uh, neither signed an agent. Um, based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like Matthew Myers out the door regardless. Um, and then Flagger's a little bit more of a question mark. Based on what I heard you guys talking about, kind of seems that you're hearing the same things, uh, or similar at least. Um, but obviously, they're not wasting any time in you know worrying about letting the roster settle itself, and and then they'll attack it once the draft. You know, like they can't do that for one because the transfer portal will get picked apart. But, I mean, they're really not wasting any time. Picked up three new commits from the um, portal in the last week. So before we get to those guys, let's start with the potential departures of Matthew Meyer and Adam Flagler. Your thoughts on those two making a decision to test the waters? Yeah, so they're both obviously going through the process and who knows how lengthy that process is going to end up being for both of them. Um, And obviously Baylor just added three new guys to the roster. So it makes it almost impossible for both of them to come back without attrition. Uh, Baylor has one spot left now after these additions. And to me, and I think conventional wisdom says that spot is for Adam Flagler. Um, They need a guard and Flagler fits that mold of what they need for this team next year. They just added two guys that essentially replace Matt Meyer. So I don't see him coming back. I I don't know if that means he's automatically going to be in the pros or if he's going to transfer to another college, which would kind of be a little surprising to me. Um, Unless he just wanted to get some of that NIL money. Maybe. And that, that could be very, very true. As far as Flagler goes, it's kind of a weird situation because he's going to test the waters. Okay, well, Baylor really needs another guard who's going to play a prominent role for this team. 
So do they just wait it out? Okay, we're going to wait for Flagler until he makes a decision, or do they go and test the waters and try to figure out, hey, man, like, we need to know if you're coming back or not because we need to figure out what our roster is going to look like next year. And if you're not going to come back, we have to go make a decision. So I think right now, obviously, the preferred route would be they get Adam Flagler back. But I also think they have to be looking for alternative options if they feel like that maybe isn't going to happen. Even though, to be clear, I do think he will decide to come back. And I think that's kind of where all the signs have been pointing. Baylor needs an answer, though. And they need to figure out what they're going to do with this roster going forward. Yeah, and I walked in on you and Jack uh, discussing this. I mean, I'm kind of, um, I guess, I'm, I'm, I guess probably more Jack's, I guess, leaning just in terms of Flagler. Um, you know, he deserves to have a chance to figure out what he wants to do. But I also understand um, that there is kind of a rush on him, and that's unfortunate. You wish it would be a situation where he, they aren't like, hey, we need to know right now. Because it's not always like that, you know. It's it's not always like that, but it does kind of seem like that in this case. And so, without like picking apart who's right, who's wrong, or whatever, uh, neither one's wrong. Neither one's. Uh, I mean, both are just looking out for their own best interests, which you can't really blame them for. But ultimately, regardless of how you feel about it, the situation is like, yeah, they do have to know something, and and that's unfortunate. Um, and they've clearly shown they're not going to waste any time in filling his spot if they feel like he's out of there. So it would help tremendously to know what exactly he's going to do so that they, therefore, can know what they should do as well. Now, if we're talking one final spot, I think they probably have a pretty good idea of you know what that's going to be. But... Uh, why are they so tight? Uh, after all these departures, you got Kendall Brown's gone and Jeremy Sohan's gone, and now Adam Flagler's in the draft and Matthew Myers in the draft. Well, I mean, they've just been picking up commits after commits. It's been kind of crazy to see them on this uh, transfer portal trail, but, um, you know, it, it is a weird situation because, like, you can't really be mad at Flagler because he's just going about and just entering the draft. And, you know, maybe in another year, you wouldn't have to rush him back. But, again, that's where you are right now. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing that sparked our conversation was that The Athletic is reporting that Baylor has interest in another Baylor. Baylor Shireman, South Dakota State guard, 6'6", 180 pounds, really was awesome this year and has been for the last two years at South Dakota State. Uh, this past year averaged 16 points, eight rebounds, four and a half assists, shot 47% from three. Uh, the year before averaged uh, 15 points and nine rebounds along with four more assists. So a very good guard, great size. And The Athletic was reporting that Baylor has a lot of interest in him. And a lot of schools have interest in him. I mean, I'll run through the list real quick. Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga, Arizona, UCLA, Florida, Baylor, Texas, Memphis, Alabama, Louisville, Michigan State. All have interest. Everyone in the country wants this kid. And the reason Jack and I were talking about it is because, to me, this is one of those situations where, well, what if they could land this kid? Do they land the sure thing or do they wait? and not land this kid, and then what if Adam Flagler makes the, the decision to leave? Then they're screwed. I mean, when they have an opportunity to build a championship roster right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I get that, and I don't want to kind of get back into that argument because I yeah, see both sides of it. Because, sure. I mean, I see your side of it where, like, hey, they need to know something, Adam, but I also see Jack's side of, like, the dude just entered his name into the draft. Like, uh, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just doing what's best for him. 
But if you're a Baylor fan, then it's like, hey, Adam, we need a decision. And, and so, again, I, without getting into it, I see, I see both sides. He's not wrong for doing what he's doing, but you would like him to know what he's doing. And right. that's pretty much it. And he's not wrong, and Baylor wouldn't be wrong for going another no, direction. No, I mean, but like, but they all. can't put a gun to his head. So like, they no. either need. So if they if they can't wait anymore, then hey, they they're gonna have to tell him goodbye, and not the other way around. I mean, that's ultimately if if they feel like this new guy is theirs, if they can get him. Yeah. And the only thing standing in their way is Adam Flagler, and they're unsure. Um, and they haven't been told, like, hey, I'm probably coming back, then you know what? You probably tell Adam Flagler, sorry, dude, but you made the choice to, to leave, and now we're making the choice to close the door. Yeah, and, flips, and I would hate that, but that's yeah. that's probably what it you flip, know could boil down to. Flip side, I think, we bo- I think everyone pretty much agrees he's going to come back. I just think it's very interesting that Baylor is linked to this guy immediately after mm-hmm. he entered the portal, and they're one of the names now. There's tons of really good teams in the conversation for him. So this isn't like, oh, a sure right. thing or whatnot, but um, it's very interesting to talk about and see. I do think Flagler will be back, and I think with these additions, I mean, this team is set for a lot of success, and clearly they have a ton of momentum on the recruiting trail right now, and I can't imagine Flagler wouldn't want to be back for another chance at a championship run, which they clearly have a path to now. And I think people also need to be careful in that um, – you can get a little addition crazy. And what I mean by that is it's fun to get a gift. And so if you can get a gift or feel like you're getting a gift, you're going to go nuts for that. So like Adam Flyer could come back, but we can get this guy now. Like, like give me that now. You know what I'm saying? And like, it's fun to get transfers. It's fun to get new commits, but It'd also be fun to have Adam Flagler back. So don't lose sight of For sure. just getting getting that little immediate jolt of happiness because, hey, here's this new toy we just got. But that old toy was actually better. And you just liked the new one because it was easily accessible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, so, it's all more so just about timing. Yeah, and, and so that's the timing's weird. But you know, I mean, you'd rather have him than not have either. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't like, yeah. like he's going to decide what he's going to decide. I mean, you know, nothing we're going to talk about is going to change that. So let's get into these commits here uh three transfers over the last week for baylor basketball and the first one out of the big 12 jalen bridges out of west virginia um already talk about you know him playing a little bit out of position stylistically there in morgantown and how uh he is going to be you know much better taken care of i guess in terms of the the plan for him uh here in waco they obviously know him seen him up close plenty of times so from Mountaineer to Bear, Jalen Bridges is now headed to Baylor. Yeah, great pickup for Baylor to kind of make up for the loss of Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown. Uh, he took a visit to Ohio State at the beginning or at the end of March, then went to Alabama and Baylor on the same weekend and ended up committing after his trip to Baylor, which was really cool to see. The great comment about Scott Drew jumping into his arms and they're excited and ecstatic for the future. And he's a really good player. 6'7", 220 pounds, averaged eight and a half points, uh, nearly five rebounds a game last year uh, as a retro freshman, averaged six points and three and a half rebounds. So Overall, very good. He can shoot the ball well. Um, very good three-point shooter. I think he was kind of 
put in tougher situations this year with the team that they had there at West Virginia, which made him have to be kind of more of a take a backseat role while also taking, I think, much tougher jump shots than he'll be taking at Baylor. Um, with Baylor's great guards, I think he's going to fit in really nicely. Very good offensive player is going to give them some depth at the wing position. Um, and he's, he's got upside as a rebounder and upside as a defensive player. He just needs to bring it all together. And I think he will. If there's one thing you can trust with Scott Drew and this staff, it's development. And I think Jalen Bridges is a perfect example of true development. I expect him to be a starter day one for Baylor um, and be a very good contributor for this team. And as a veteran guy, I think he brings a lot of experience to this Baylor roster, and he played in the Big 12 already, so he knows the grind of Big 12 play as well. So uh, Jalen Bridges is now a bear, and then uh, he would be joined just a couple days or so later by Caleb Lohner, uh, shooting guard from BYU. So a uh, transfer from the current Big 12 and now a transfer from the new Big 12 uh, as well. Caleb Lohner. Uh, six six two hundred is what I saw him listed as, and um, he's now a Baylor Bear as well. Yeah, I mean, if, if I think that might be a two four sevens listing of of Loner because he's a he's yeah. six eight two hundred and forty pounds now. Okay. Yeah, he's going to be more of a forward, I think, at Baylor. Um, he's got great size. He averaged seven point seven rebounds at BYU. Um, I think he's going to give them a stretch four while also being able to play some small ball five. He gives them that that option there uh, with his frame. I mean, 240 pounds, the guy's a load. He he really is kind of what they need. He's a very good passer. He can rebound. He plays good defense. Um, and then he shot 33% from three as a freshman. And then last year he shot the ball horribly, but it's because he was dealing with a fractured thumb. Um, so that's why he shot 21% a year ago at BYU. I expect him to be in the mid thirties, probably around 35% for this team. And when you have a guy at that size who can stretch out a big on the other team and shoot the three point ball really, really well, um, he's going to be a factor and you can also see his, you know, kind of guard skills that he had in high school where he can take you off the dribble a little bit, get to the rim. Um, he's going to be great for this team off the bench. I think he'll probably be kind of fill into somewhat of a six man role, uh, for this roster. And finally, of uh, the three editions, you had Dan Twan Grimes on Monday night announcing his commitment to Baylor kind of out of nowhere, but uh, young man, point guard from Kilgore College. Uh, I believe he's originally from the state of Florida. So uh, Dan Twan Grimes, what do you know about him? Yeah, that was kind of a random one last night. I actually saw your tweet on it, and that kind of alerted me to it. All I know is that uh, based on what his college coach told Smokey is that he's the best guard, I guess, in their league. And mm -hmm. if you know that region, that's a really good Juco basketball league, mm -hmm. like one of the best and has been for decades. Uh, so, yeah, if he if he can compete in that, in that region, uh, then – you know, that's the same one like Jimmy Butler played in Tyler Junior mm -hmm. College and guys like that. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that where he's coming from gives me confidence in the type of basketball that he's been playing. But, yeah, I don't know much about him. And then again, I wasn't surprised to see them go the Juco route, just kind of knowing the roster was in flux and needing some guard help. So, um, interesting, kind of out of nowhere, but, uh, but interesting. To, uh, yeah. And don't know a ton about him just yet. I was scrolling through my timeline, and I saw Kilgore College, and I liked it. I thought it was just like a random dude committing to Kilgore College. And then I, like, scrolled down, saw your tweet, and I was like, wait a minute. I scrolled right back up to it. And it was like Sikkim committed to Baylor. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I probably should have known that because, I mean, 
Ashley has done an amazing job covering uh, basketball. He always does on the recruiting side uh, for the premium uh, subscribers. But he mentioned Baylor was in line to, to look for a Juco guard. That was an area that they really wanted to explore. And obviously, finding a guy like D'Antoine Grimes, 6'2", 190 pounds, great size. Um, his sophomore year, so this past year, he averaged over 14 points per game, shot uh, nearly 36% from three, four rebounds, three assists. So he kind of did a lot of different things. But what's so perfect about him is, is that he's coming in, I think, with the expectation that, hey, this probably isn't my year where I'm going to get a ton of playing time. This isn't the year where I'm going to come in and be the guy on this team. Whereas he was getting recruited by Wichita State, Drake, Oklahoma State, to come in and be there, you know, have more of a role on their team. I think Grimes is going to come to Baylor and maybe not play a ton, but also get developed much like a Davion Mitchell or a Macy Oteague for this roster. And I think he's going to end up being a very good player. Um, but for next year, I expect him to be more of a role player and a depth guy for this team because we saw how injuries can accumulate. They needed more depth at guard, and I think he's going to provide that for this roster. All right, so one other, I guess, note. Uh, Baylor men's tennis wins the Big 12 Tournament Championship over the weekend. Um, you know, baseball play as well. Uh, softball uh, won their series. Um, you know, I guess you can read the good, the bad, the ugly for more of a recap of it, but a pretty busy weekend. And let's just say the highlight, uh, I, I guess, coming out of it was definitely the, the men's tennis Big 12 Championship. Yeah, definitely. They're 26-3 and three now on the year. They've given themselves a great opportunity to be one of those top three, top two seeds in the uh, entire tournament, in the NCAA tournament coming up. Um, gutsy win. Absolutely gutsy win to beat TCU the way they did. Um, they were up 3-0. They won the doubles point. And then uh, their two, you know, the number five and number six, Tadias Piraluk and John P. Masucci, those two ended really quickly. Baylor was up 3-0. And then you're sitting there and you're looking around at the other matches and you're going, oh my gosh, TCU might have an opportunity to come back and win this. Um, their number one guy, Luke Fomba, upset at, uh, Adrian Boyton, and you're like, oh my gosh, Boyton never loses, and now he loses this match, and you're just kind of sitting there patiently like, uh-oh, uh-oh, here they come. Finn Bass loses to Jake Fernley, and you're like, all right, Baylor's got to figure this out, and you look up, and it's Sven Law is in a tie break, and Matthias Soto is in the third set, and Soto just came out and won just an epic match after getting royally screwed in the first set. I don't know if you heard anything about this, Craig, but he was trying to call timeout on set point. He was calling timeout, had his hands in the air, had his racket up. The guy serves it anyways. It goes in, and the Big 12 ref, eh, no, shouldn't have called time. Shouldn't have called it like it was whatever. is too late or whatnot. So, I clearly had dinner reservations or yeah. something. And so they lose. he loses that set and is clearly upset about it. They're talking about it. it. takes a long break, and he comes back out in the second set, wins the set, comes back out in, in the third set, closes him out against the number 14 player in the country, Juan Carlos Aguilar. I was so impressed with his performance, and he deserved to end that match after the way it started, and Baylor won it. It won it in, a, in style, 4-2. Um, and like I said, th this program's trending in such a good direction. Now, can they go out and really you know, finish it in the NCAA tournament? Because they're good enough to win a national championship. 
Yeah, they are, and uh, that would be pretty cool to see. But another Big 12 title uh, tournament edition. Uh, now they're on a little bit of a streak as far as winning those, and just uh, good to see more hardware uh, brought back to Waco. So congrats to Michael Woodson and Baylor men's tennis, but uh, job not done just yet. Still got, uh, obviously, the postseason to play out, as do some other spring sports. So uh, anything else before we get in the mailbag here? I don't think so. We've, we've covered a lot. I think we've covered <laughs> just about, you know, there, there might be one or two things that have slipped through the cracks, but uh, we'll, we'll just have to deal with that. Alpha Needle of the 2022 class, who are not early enrollees, who has the best opportunity to make an impact in the fall? Yeah, I mean, geez, after seeing Kyan Roberts' day uh, in studio, did you know he's, uh, did you see my update? He's 6'4", 270 pounds wow. right now. I mean, th he looks like a full-grown man, so he's got an opportunity to play right away. I know the staff has been talking to him a little bit about running back, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, and then as kind of a Derrick Henry type, he said he's more athletic and faster than Derrick Henry, so... I'd, I'd all right love, like i appreciate <laughs> confidence but i'd love to see that but at the end of the day he'll probably start off at tight end and i think they could use depth there i love sims and dabney but him and kelsey johnson could play early in their careers but i do think the option that i think stands out the most to me is jordan neighbors um because i think what he brings to the table this summer might impact what direction they end up going with the portal. If he is that good, that surreal, they may not have to. I still think they'll end up taking a transfer at the end of the day, but I think Neighbors is a game-breaker that could come in and play early for them. Uh, the NCAA sanctions for the team football team primarily centered around recruiting for the 21-22 season. Now that we are through the spring game and the 2022 academic year closes in mid-May, are we essentially through our sanctions and can now go back to normal recruiting activity methods and he lists a uh, reduction of football visits, a three-week ban on unofficials, a two-week ban on the recruiting communication, and a reduction of the evaluation days by three. Those were some of the penalties. So can they now go back to normal recruiting? Where do they stand with that? Yeah, it's over. The 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 Those have have been over for a while. Baylor basically took care of yeah. those as early as possible. That really needed the, to take five years, huh? Yeah, I know, to, to come out with that. Wow. So, yeah, Baylor has passed those sanctions and have been for a little bit of time now. I actually posted a note on the premium side a while ago when Baylor was kind of ending. They had just done the two-week ban. Um, that was a few months ago, and that was the last thing that they pretty much had to check off the list. All right, so that should uh, answer your question there, Alpha, and that's obviously good news. They're beyond that, and yeah, that took five years to figure <laughs> out. Scotty B, who makes the biggest impact for men's basketball next season between Bridges and Caleb Lohner? Jalen Bridges. I, th I think he's the, the better player for this year. Um, but I will say, I think Lohner, they both could be here for a little bit, for a while. I yeah. think Bridges, to me, Bridges is probably going to be a one year and, and done guy where I would loner think so, yeah. yeah. Loner I think could be like a two year, two or three year guy for, yeah. for Baylor. So maybe in that in that region, if you're like long term, maybe Loner ends up because he's here longer, ends up being a bigger impact. But for next year it's gonna be Bridges because Bridges will will start. I think Loner's gonna come off the bench. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh and I, I think as well Bridges is probably you assume he's a one-and-done guy. Uh, but Loner did mention to us that he's got two or three years, yep. uh, as you were saying. So that could work out well. Scotty B., how close have you all been to a Big 12 title <laughs> trophy? I admit this past weekend I actually held the Big 12 trophy for the first time ever. I want to give a shout-out to Baylor men's player Matias Soto for clinching the Big 12 title, and I gave him a hug after running to his court. And uh, there's Scotty B. with the Big 12 title. 
some sharp looking Zubas. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, uh, I don't know that I've ever just held one in my hands like you are, um, but I've been next to them, you know, constantly when they're on display at events and stuff like that. And uh, pretty cool. I haven't held the, the men's tennis tournament championship, though, so you got me there. Yeah, the Big 12 Media Days is where we're like, we're, you can go up to it and we're right next to it. You could touch it if you wanted to. I have not, but um, yeah, that's the closest I've been, and that's just, that's freaking awesome. Just, mm -hmm. I love what Baylor men's tennis has done, and that's so cool that you're holding the trophy, and now they just need to get it done, get a national championship. That'd be awesome. That'd be incredible if they could pull that off. That would be pretty amazing uh, for, for that program. So, Scotty, uh, enjoy it, my man. Looking good, and uh, glad you had fun. Uh, appreciate the question. Sam, 19, outside of winning the Heisman, what would Gary Bohannon have to realistically do to feel good about declaring for the draft next year rather than using his fifth free COVID year? Yeah, I mean, he'd have to be all Big 12 first team, probably All-American, mm -hmm. And then maybe he'd go. Uh, that's just a really interesting part of this whole dilemma is that Gary could technically come back another year. And by that point, you got to think that there would be a, a if he's the starter this year and then he decides to come back again. I mean, the, the quarterback room is going to be depleted because you can't can't sit behind a guy that long. Like, right. I don't feel like as far in relating to, to shaping. Um, so, yeah, it'd have to be something like that for Gary to leave early for the draft. Yeah, I mean, outside of winning a Heisman would be uh, finishing runner-up for the Heisman, I guess, uh, would be the best bet for him to go off. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know, and I honestly don't want to pile any more unnecessary questions and stresses on on my head, you know, in terms of we got enough to worry about for next year, so I don't even want to debate what Kerry debating on an extra year would look like for the quarterback position um need to see him play this year first and then i think that'll clear up a lot because look maybe he goes out and has a year like that and who cares about that extra year uh, maybe he comes out and maybe he wants to use that thing and then then it gets interesting but that's also a, a long way down the road so you know outside of winning a heisman man like all big 12 yeah like first team all i mean you have to be better than yours and better than uh, Donovan Smith or Baron Morton at Tech, whoever's going to start there, better than Dylan. I, he'd have to be the best quarterback in the league, yeah. in my opinion. Or right there with like or viewers. Right, yeah. right there, yeah. Um, if viewers is even the best quarterback well, in the league. I, I mean, he'd have to put up some numbers because like this team, his numbers weren't great last year because mm -hmm. they ran the ball so much. So he'd have to be really efficient with his throws. And, and uh, yeah, and mostly throwing because I mean, the running thing, I don't think is going to be an element that gets him drafted. It'll something, it'll be something that helps him, but he's going to get drafted based on whether he can throw the football or right. not. He's not Lamar Jackson. No, like, no he's not like that. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Dak, who leads the team in receiving yards next season? Also, who has the highest ceiling on the team if they reach true potential in 2022? I, you know, I'm going back to the well here, but I think it's Hal Presley, uh, but he just needs to be healthy. And I think the answer to both is Hal Presley. Honestly, he's the guy that I was expecting to be the starter on the outside, um, be the big body threat, um, be Taekwon's replacement. Essentially, he just got hurt. And so he's who my prediction would be at this point, I think still. Hal Presley for both for yeah, I think he's got the highest ceiling. Um, I'm trying to think, though, if I think he's – I mean, I think Ben Sims is going to 
possibly lead the team in receiving yards. It'd be hard to do as a tight end, but he did finish pretty high last year. I think he'll be top three. The problem is, is I don't think he can have a thousand yards. So the question is, do I think there's a thousand yard receiver? It wasn't last year. I know it was 949 though. I think Ben is pretty much capped at like seven, like 700 yards for a tight end is like, that's an anomaly. A lot of times I feel that's like Charlie Kolar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he's going to be their most reliable, but uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know outside of that. Uh, I'll say Gavin Holmes. Um, you know, I don't. I mean, shoot, you could say you could say anybody. They all yeah. have the same case. I mean, nobody's clearly better than anybody else. I mean, Monterey. We're also getting excited about him because of a play in the Sugar Bowl that wasn't even a passing play. You know, like in in part. I mean, we've talked about him far more since that Sugar Bowl touchdown sure. than before. And it's all based off that one play. Um, but I know why it leads people to watch him and go, oh, yeah, well, he can be this and he can be that and he can do this and he can do that. And they're all excited. But but so far, I mean, we've seen very little of, of him actually going out there and being a full-born receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, anybody could say an answer and nobody's wrong here because yeah. that's how uncertain it is. Uh, at wide receiver. Uh, Doc Crowell, do you guys have a watch party set up for the draft? No, uh, do not have a watch party set up for the draft. Uh, maybe if there's another class that, you know, had some certain first rounders that you knew you could tune in and you'd see two or three guys, it would be worth having. But these guys are going to be pretty spread out. And that draft might go like the entire first day without a pick and a bunch of the second day without a pick. And, you know, then like four picks over seven hours on Sunday, so um, or Saturday. So no, don't have a don't have a watch party. Maybe if a couple guys were first rounders, that would have been been cool to do though. Uh, Mikey, what are the best NFL team scheme fits for each Baylor player entering the draft this weekend that sh we should be hoping for? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more about going to good situations. Yeah, I, I'm not necessarily sure. Like scheme matters some, but if a guy if a team's going to draft you, you fit their scheme. Like, you know what I mean? So I think it's more about going to a place that has a good organization. So like, you know, Jalen Petrie going to the Chiefs would be awesome. Like uh, the that, Ravens would be even better. Ravens, that'd be great too. Yeah, yeah sure. Like the, those type of spots would be awesome. JT Woods, you know, to the Chiefs or, you know, I know the Eagles are looking at him. Would that be a good spot? Uh, they're okay. You know, I that'd be all right. You just don't want these guys going to the Jets or the Giants or... Yeah, basically anybody in my rant earlier. Like, I just don't yeah. want to see somebody in Washington withering away and dying a slow death because the team and organization is so dysfunctional. And it's been the Jets, it's been the Lions, it's been the Redskins, a.k.a. the Washington football team, a.k.a. the Commanders, a.k.a. crappy owner that needs to be booted out of the league. Um, you know, and then name a couple of the Browns, uh, the Bengals up until last year. Uh, they're constantly in that top 10 uh, practically. So, yeah, I just I, I would like to see them on some actual teams that can sniff the playoffs on occasion. Right. And then teams that maybe can offer somewhat immediate playing time where you're not buried on the depth chart. You know, if Taekwon's going in the fifth round, you're just kind of hoping and praying they go somewhere where they're. They're just taking a wide receiver late to be, you know, maybe their fourth wide receiver, not a team that is just so loaded that you're like, all right, is is he ever going to play? Um, so it, it's kind of more that I would say, you know, obviously there's some situations like Abram Smith would fit really, really well with the 49ers. The problem is the 49ers have a couple of running backs already. So would they draft him? I mean, probably, probably not. Boot another Baylor guy off the roster. Right, right. He'd probably, yeah, Jermichael. Um, 
so, you know, a situation like that, I think Ebner would be a great fit for the Colts because he's such a great special teams guy. I think that that's a perfect fit for them because they've really done a nice job evaluating special teams. Uh, Terrell Bernard with the Cowboys. I think that would be awesome for him to solve their interior linebacker uh situation. I, I think he'd be a nice piece there. Taekwon, I'd love him to go to a more high-powered offense uh, potentially. Maybe like a, you know, a team, again, you want to go to a team that's not loaded, but and I don't want him to go to the Jets, so young quarterback, the Chargers would be an interesting one, uh, you know, opposite Mike Williams. I know they have Josh Palmer. Um, that'd be interesting as well, um, but like Kalen Barnes, anywhere that plays man defense, Kalen's probably a decent fit. I think he's probably going to have to play some man, some zone as well. Um, and then Patriots more so a place where he can just thrive, a place that's going to let him play early and develop into the NFL player I think we all know he can become. So, uh, Mikey, hopefully that answers your question. Let's just hope for, uh, you know, the best fits possible for these guys because these are some guys that you feel like can stick around in the league if they get in the right spots. Um, and aren't dealt a bad hand right out of the gates with just a dysfunctional coach or management or whatever. So no Jaguars, please. No Washington, please. No, no Detroit. No New York teams, if it's not the Bills, um, and so on. Um, all right, uh, thank you, Mikey. Bear Coog, first question. Oh, yeah, landed Dantuan Grimes. What are your overall impressions of his commitment and how do you see drew and company using him next year how many minutes do you think he'll end up contributing in the big picture i think you kind of touched on this earlier yeah i mean if they don't get flagler back he probably gonna have to play a bigger role than i think we are thinking but again i think flagler flagler will be back so i think grimes is going to be kind of in line to receive similar minutes to like a dale bonner next year i think they'll both kind of be around the same number i think bonner will probably play more just because he's been on the roster longer um so i don't think this year is really the year where you should be like oh we we need to see a ton of dantuan grimes but i will tell you this is the year where you i i'm sitting here going i hope we don't see a lot of him because i want him to work behind the scenes and just develop and develop and develop every single day yeah you'd be able to, to tuck him away uh that would be a nice luxury to have but yeah. uh yeah a lot depends on adam flagler and whatever that decision is going to be whenever that decision is going to be uh, second question from Bear Coog. I noticed in Aranda's post-spring game interview, he mentioned our special team still needs some tweaking, et cetera. I feel like special teams isn't talked about enough and can come in clutch or hers in some cases in big game situations. What were your big takeaways from the special teams in the spring game? I didn't really have a lot of big takeaways because I just didn't pay intent focus on the special teams to be perfectly honest with you. I, I just focused far more on the actual, like, offense versus defense i mean i did pick up you know gavin holmes back there returning punts uh it's cool to see that but you know i didn't really like focus in on the kickers too much and, and probably i should have based on the way aranda was talking about it in the post game but uh what about on your end, Grayson? Yeah, I just think they need some work. I mean, they just really need to work on the special teams portion. I think they definitely can't waste who they all got coming back because no. they're they're fully loaded as far as the the specialist positions for the most part. Right, and, and I think the return game. I know yeah. you lose Ebner, but they have some explosive guys who can make an impact in that department as well. I think it's more the thing I took away was that they probably haven't put as much time into it quite mm. yet, and that's an area that Aranda's like, oh. 
we really need to put more time into that. So I expect that to happen in fall camp. And fall camp is usually a great time for special teams to really come together. I, spring usually is not the time where it really all comes together for the special teams, I don't feel like. Yeah, and I want to say there was like maybe a week and a half left in practice. And let's say they practiced over, what, like five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he mentioned special teams and getting to work on that for like the second time when there was like a week and a half left maybe. So that just goes to show you that you know, especially limited with 15 practices. They weren't spending a ton of time on that. Um, but I, I do believe it will be a focus this fall. You would have to maybe worry a little bit if he didn't mention it and it looked bad. But the fact that he did mention it, it was so matter of fact about mentioning it and mentioned Ronnie Wheat and mentioned, like, you know, he'll get figured out and all that. Like, he's he's clearly got it on the, the off-season to-do list. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't worry too much. And, and, again, with who they have coming back with Power and Rauschenberg, et cetera, I think it should be good. It should be a unit that you can feel confident can win you some games. And we've seen how often kickers, whether reliable or not, have had to win games for Baylor over the years um, quite often, quite often. And it's worked out most of the time in their favor, but it's also not worked out in their favor a few times. So that's a, that's in a really important area, but I think Aranda knows that because he's smart. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Bear Cook, thank you for closing us out there. That will do it, and hopefully we answered – all of y'all's questions to a satisfactory level. Uh, and Mikey will be able to talk about those picks and those picks uh, schemes and the teams they land with here in just the next few days. But uh, football's closed up practices for the time being, although there will still be recruiting and transfer portal news, I'm sure. And uh, down the spring stretch we go. So, Grayson, anything before we head out here? No, I'm excited for to talk about the draft recap next week, though. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Outside of that, just if you're not a Sikkim 365 Premium subscriber, please do so. We have tons of content, basketball recruiting. You would have known about some of the commitments before they happened if you were a Premium subscriber, football recruiting, football news, everything uh, like that. If you want to know information, come to Sikkim 365 Premium and then also listen to uh, 365 Radio every single day or Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 with Craig. Craig's always on it and uh, they have a great time talking a lot college football and different topics as well. Yep, uh, 3 to 6 Central Time. Uh, Check it on YouTube or the Sikkim 365 app as well and uh, we will talk to you next week and and obviously before then on the site and elsewhere, but uh, we will get back to you with another BearCast Uh, next Tuesday, but for the time being, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, We enjoyed your questions, and uh, thank you for listening. It's been, and also thank you to Armstrong and Jack behind the scenes. It's been the BearCast, Craig Smoking, Grayson Grunhafer here on Sikkim365.com.